Well, good morning. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Ken, and I am so glad that you're here. I'm excited to have you here this morning with us, or, or if you're watching with us online, um, I want you to welcome you here to Crossroads Day, because I know that this is a place that you're going to be loved. I, I want you to know that whether you're a Republican or a, a Democrat, whether you're black, uh, white, or brown, or, or whether you're rich, or whether you're broke today, whether um, you're young, or, or whether you're old, whether you identify as gay, or straight, or, or something out, whether you love Jesus, or you're just checking Jesus out today, friends, I can guarantee this is a place that you will be loved. Because I know our Father who created the universe, He loves you. And He wants you to know and to believe today that you are loved. And I also know that there are people in this place that are His, that His Spirit lives in. I want to show you guys some. If you could go to the, the next slide for me. And um, we started this initiative called Bless Every Home, where, where people in the church decide to pray. And 23 people have now signed up to pray for their neighbors, people they don't even know. We've adopted 682 homes to pray for. And so far, we've prayed for 600 and, uh, 762 people already. That's love. We don't even know those people. And that's so that they might know God. And, and today, we're in a series called Moving Forward in Faith and Faithfulness. And we've been looking to, into the mission of this church, of Crossman's Church. And, and um, I'm going to have it put on the board. And I want everybody to read it with me. Helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. You know, we base that on two scriptures. What Jesus said was the greatest commandment and his great commission to all his disciples. And we've been talking about one word each week and then looking deeper into it. Today we're going to use two. Um, and it is what gives us the power to fulfill our mission, his love. Now today, you might not feel loved. But the truth is, your feelings are the problem. Our world is constantly telling us that love is about our feelings. Well, love can produce feelings that can be pleasant. True love is about truth, not feelings. See, God has written a love letter to us called the Bible. And to know the truth that you are loved today, I want you to open your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. You know, there was a song in the 90s by Hathaway that asked the question, what is love? You know? Um, <laughs> and then the next line was, baby, don't hurt me no more. You know, people get hurt pursuing emotional love when it's just about feelings. That song also hurts my neck whenever I try to do it. Um, <laughs> if you look at your Bible in 1 John chapter 4, around verse 7, you might see the subtitle, God is Love. Now, that's the, the, the right equation, that, that God is love. Um, you know, those that know God would believe that equation. The problem is many in our world today try to reverse that equation and they believe love is God. The, the, that the idea of love is what defines what God is. And, and this corrupts the truth because the Bible says God is love. It also tells us other things like God is spirit, God is light, 
God is a consuming fire. God is true, and God is just. So love does not define God. It is God who defines what love is. And now many of our culture go even further than that, and they make the equation love equals love. That love defines what is good and lovely. Now, friends, I love chocolate, but it's not lovely for me. It adds lots of pounds. You know, what if I said I loved beating up small children? Would that make it lovely? Would that make it good? Would that make it pure? See, our loves do not define what is good. To say that would be say, emotions are God. Emotions are wonderful gifts from God that can make our lives rich. The Bible says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life, Proverbs 4.23. But see, our emotions need to be guided by the truth. The Bible also says the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, our emotions, they, they can lie to us. And defining an a, a emotional feeling as your God is not a good thing because then you have a lying God. See, God created all things, including emotion, and he defines what is true. To really understand the truth, what is love, we must look to God, not to our emotions. So today, let's look at his word in 1 John chapter 4, and starting in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And here we see a, a couple of very important truths. First, real true love comes from God, not our emotions. Love comes from a source. John is saying basically in this verse, he says, those who are loved, let us love. The first word he uses is the word beloved, which means worthy of love. He's saying you're worthy of love. The truth is everyone here is worthy of love. See, the world teaches something else. It teaches a, a transactional kind of love that you're only loved if other people think you're worthy of it in their eyes. That's not love. That's, that's an exchange of goods and services. The second truth here for us is uh, to be truly loved, we must be born of the one who defines what love is. As humans, um, we, we naturally, because we were made in the image of God, um, have affection and we, we, can, we can love. But to, to truly love as God loves, we have to be born in the spirit. The, the apostle John said this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. True love, God's love, friends, is a work of his spirit. For us to really love, we must be first born of God's spirit. God's greatest command to us is this, which is part of our mission statement I mentioned before. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And friends, this cannot be done. We can't love like this until love is first born in us. 
We must be born of God, the true lover. Because true love for God and others and ourselves comes from him. Because love comes from God. You know, we're all capable of loving acts, even if we're not born of God. But real love comes from God. And, and we are created by God, so the capacity of love is there for us all. But to really know love is to know God, the source of all love. Part of the problem for us understanding this verse is in our language, we only have one word for love. In the original Greek language John is writing with, he's using two different words in this sentence. He says, let us love, and he uses the Greek word apago, which is a, 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 a verb. It means to have affection for it or to love. And most people ha- have that kind of emotion, a, a positive emotion towards another person when, when that person's being positive towards them. But when God says love is from God, he uses the word agape, which is a noun. God is love. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of positive feelings, God's character or nature is love. God's love is not just an action or a transaction. Friends, it's a reality. His character is to love us even on our worst day. The Bible says this in Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which we have blessed us all in the beloved. The word love in that long sentence is, the word love is agape again. See, before the foundations of this world, God made a decision of his will to love us. And and, and that verse is specifically talking about those that would receive his love and be born of God. And when we are born of God, we are then capable of real love. A love that's not based on circumstances, but based on the decision of our will by faith. And and John continues with a, a very bold statement. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That is saying people can know a lot about God. They could be experts in theology. They can perform all kinds of religious ceremonies. But if they do not love like God loves, they do not know God. We can only know him by knowing his love ourselves. And the proof is we share it with others, which, friends, again, is the second part of our mission. We can't obey the great commission or the great commandment without first having received his love. Because, friends, these are not duties. They are love. And doing them is proof that you really know him. Otherwise, we just practice transactional love. I love you because you love me or how you make me feel. But that's not love. It's an emotional response. Real love is a decision of the character of the lover. Let me give you an example. Let's say there's a boy and a girl who are dating. And the girl says to the boy, do you love me? And the boy is smitten with her. 
And then she asks him, and he says, yes. And then she asks him a really dangerous question. Why? <laughs> and here's where his love can fail, right? If he says, I love you because you're beautiful, if I love you because you're smart and sexy, or how you make me feel, his love is transactional. Friends, that love can fail. As she gets older, she may not be as beautiful or, or sexy. On a bad day, she may not be as pleasant or sweet and make him feel loved. So his love will fail. See, all of his reasons are bad answers when it comes to true love. He, he is really saying he only gives love when the circumstances are good. Friends, that's not love. That's a transaction for goods and services. The only right answer to the girl if she's mature in love enough to hear it is, I love you because I love you. Because that's the answer that God gives us. Because he is love. I love you because I love you. That's why I can stand here confidently in this place and say that you will be loved. Because I know God. And I know that each of you are worthy of love because he has decided to love you. And the proof that he loves you because he loves you is in the next verse. In this is the love of God, was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. John is saying we can know God loves us because he loves us because he has shown it. He has made it manifest or displayed it publicly to the whole world. God sent his only son, Jesus, what he loved most to us. He gave us his best when we were all at our worst. While we were disobedient to him, while we ignored him, while we treated him and others, he loved with hatred and anger. He still decided to show up and show us the greatest act of love ever. God decided to love us because love is what he is. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did God allow his son to die? So that we might live. In the Greek, John uses the, the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, for life, which is a different word than he normally uses in this chapter. And it means to breathe life in, to give real life in love. See, we don't really have life until we love like him. And we love him and love others. It's born when we believe in his love for us. And this life is not just offered to those that are good and those that are obedient people who love him. It's offered to rebellious sinners like me who will believe in his love for them. Friends, our hearts are dead to love until we believe in his love. Verse 10 says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. In this is love. J John is defining what love is. It is a decision of the will that leads to you to sacrifice something you love to love. Friends, our emotions will not get us there. Only a character of love that is towards us will. John says, God's love for us come first. Friends, none of us really seek after God. We, none of us really seek after to please him so he will love us. 
What this is saying is he seeks us with love to awaken our hearts that we will love him. See, God loved us when, we, we were, when he was angry with us. That's what this is saying. God loved us when he was angry. He, he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. That word propitiation means to appease or to atone for. God did not sent Jesus just to set a good example of love. God did not send Jesus just to teach us how to love and how to be good. John is saying God sent Jesus to satisfy his own anger or wrath over our sins because he loves. See, many today have an emotional response to God that he's, he's just a God of love. That he doesn't care what we do. He just loves me unconditionally. It doesn't matter how we live. That nothing is really evil. Nothing really offends God. But, but that's not the truth according to the Bible. Our sin offends a holy and just God. But even though he is offended, he chooses to respond to us in love by appeasing his own wrath for our sin. Now, now you may not like to think about a God of wrath. But friends, if you don't have wrath, you don't have love. Let me give you a human example. I love my daughter. She's down in Antarctica right now. And if you ever tried to hurt her, or if anybody ever tried to hurt her or abuse her, you would see my wrath. I guarantee you that. If she tried to hurt herself, it would invoke my wrath because I love her. I love her so much I would die to protect her. Friends, that's what our God did. Jesus was fully God. And he was fully man. As a man, Jesus could receive God's full wrath due for our punishment. All of our sins could be placed on his body. He could put it to, to death forever in his body because he was fully God. He was able then to take away and forgive all of our, our sins by then giving us all of his goodness and righteousness. And he did that because he loves us. And he wants none to perish in his wrath. Friends, your sin is not okay. God sacrificed. He died for it because he loves you, because he loves you. In doing so, he gave you the opportunity to be better, to, to love him and to love others by believing in his amazing love for you. God's appeal for us to love is not his law, it's higher. It's that we are to love because we are loved. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We love others when we believe the truth that we are loved. Beloved, John calls you worthy of God's love. Then John asks the questions. If you believe that you're so loved, then you ought to love. Should, shouldn't that give you the capacity and the, the desire to love others? See, God so loved us when we did not deserve it. I want you to notice, John did not say here, we are to love God, but we are to love one another. Why is that? Well, if you look at the Great Commission, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is like this, love your neighbor 
as yourself. That like means as the same as. Loving your neighbor is the same as loving God. And when we love each other, we are demonstrating God's kind of love. We are demonstrating our love to God. John continues, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. John is saying, no human being has seen the Father's full glory. Moses had probably one of the deepest relationships with God. He spoke to him directly. And, and, and to reassure Moses, God said this to him, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim um, before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Friends, we don't see God to show him love. We, we, we show him love when we love what he loves, each other. If we love others, it shows we have a relationship with him, that, that his love abides in us, that he lives in us. Our love will not be perfect like his love, but his love, it says, is perfected in us. See, we can't truly love one another without God, for God is love. But when he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, we love. The Bible says that in Galatians 5, it says that it's the fruit of the Spirit in us, that that, that is love. But there's the reverse that's also true. If, if we do not have the fruit of spirit, which is love for others, we have not been born of God. We do not know God. Verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. The way you know you have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ is because you have the fruit of his spirit, love for other people. His spirit gives you the capacity to love the unlovable, which is like his love living in you. And John tells us how to receive the spirit of God's love living in us. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The way that we receive his Spirit is we we believe in the love of God, the love that God has for us in sending us his Son. John says he has seen his son's work of love to the world dying on a cross for us. And and he says we give witness or we testify to what we have seen. See, they believed that Jesus was the Savior of the world. John and his friends don't believe they can save themselves. They, they, They don't believe that they are good, loving people. They, they don't believe God gives them a pass for their sin. They, they believe that their sin is such an offense to God that they need a Savior. Also, 
they believe that God loves them enough to sacrifice his own son for them. You know, John was one of Jesus' best friends and one of his disciples. And he didn't believe in his friendship with Jesus or his discipline in following Jesus' religion would save him. He, he believed he was saved by believing God loved him enough to send his son to die for his sin. John believed whoever, no matter what their sins were, if they confessed belief in the Father's love for them through Jesus, they would be saved. God would abide in them through the Spirit, and they would abide or live eternally with God. You know, John said this earlier in this chapter. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which is which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Friends, other religions or, or people that confess their good works, grant them access to the kingdom, are not of God. You, you can't access the kingdom of heaven without confessing the Son, which is ultimately confessing the Father's love for us. People may report that they have a, a religion of love, but friends, that's a trans transactional love without the confession of the Son. Beloved, don't be fooled by transactional love. See, our emotions can make us believe that it is love when it is not love. It can be the spirit of the Antichrist who can fake love. And it says it's in the world now, and we are all vulnerable to it. Evil's greatest weapon, friends, is counterfeit love. To, to deceive you from God's real and true love. It can be the romantic love or a man of, from a man or a woman that can deceive us. It can be the love of the crowd giving you power and fame that can deceive you. It can be getting the approval of your bosses or your parents or your children. And while all those things can temporarily make us feel good, only belief in God's love for us through the Son can make us good forever. Believing in his love towards us changes our nature or our character. Friends, we love because he first loved us. So we have to come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Friends, the only way to come to know God is to trust that he loves you. You, you can't come to God hoping that he loves you. You can't come to God wishing that he loves you. You must come to him knowing and believing that he loves you. And you do this by abiding in his word and believing his promises to love you. He will be pleased by your faith and your, your faith in his love for you. And he will come dwell in you. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For who would ever draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he's a lover, that he rewards those who seek him. God will abide in us if we believe in his love for us. We must abide in the belief of his love for us. Sometimes I hear Christians say, and honestly there are times I have said or thought, God hates me. 
because I've had a negative day or a negative experience or they've had a negative day or experience. And friends, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The Son of God loves you and he gave his life for you. We each have more of a reward than we deserve because of God's amazing love for us. God is love. The question is, do we abide by faith in that love or do we imagine him to be a cruel and punishing God? You may say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. God has been cruel to me. He is punishing me. And I'm sure you have all kinds of rationalizations that give you an excuse to doubt his love for you. God's word says this in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You don't have any excuse to believe God does not love you. In creation, he has proven it to you. He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Friends, stop making excuses that you are not loved. You disgrace his name. He has proved his love for you. Look upon the cross. Look upon the cross. We love because he first loved us. Verse 17 says, By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Our love for God and others, friends, does not have to be perfect for us to be saved. By faith in his love for us, he perfects us in the eyes of God. The Bible says that there will be a day of judgment for all of us, even believers. Those who refuse to believe, those who refuse to abide in God's love for them will be cast into hell to be punished for their sin. But his love will have perfected those who have confidence in his love on that day of judgment. And the devil may come against you and, and accuse you of your crimes against God according to the law. But you can say to him confidently, the Son of God loves me and he gave his life for me. See, Jesus fulfilled all of God's righteousness for his law for me and for you. He has paid my debt. He's paid your debt. And he has set me free. He who the Son sets free is free Indeed, the word of God says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so you can say to the devil, be gone from me. I am covered by Jesus' blood. I go to be with the one I love and that I know loves me. We'll all face judgment. But those who believe in his love will have confidence, not fear. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but that perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
if you will abide and trust in the love of God, there is nothing for you to fear. If God's love is for you, then who can be against you and win against you? You win. Friends, fear and love are incompatible. Today, if you you fear God's punishment, look upon God's perfect love in his son and believe it, and your fear will be cast out. See, you fear because you believe you will be punished. But, But you can't be if you believe in what he has done for you. He has received your punishment already for you because God loves you because he loves you. See, friends, The fear of punishment is really struggling with unbelief in the nature of his love. We should fear his powerful wrath because it is the beginning of wisdom. But once you become wise for salvation, you will fear or respect the power of his amazing love. Fearing his awesome, perfect love will give your heart peace, confidence, and assurance. Fearing punished, fearing that you will be punished will give you a different kind of fear called dread. You will dread God or you will love God. Are, are, are you looking at your sin today? Or are you looking at his love for you? Beloved, you're worthy of love. Look upon his love. We love because he first loved. Belief and fear are opposites. Fear is abiding in the accusing words of the devil. Faith is abiding and trusting in the promises of God. Choose this day who you will believe, his love or the accuser. Today you may be saying, I don't love God or others enough. Stop looking at what you have done or have not done. Stop looking at that. Look upon what he has done for you. The Son of God was sent to us. He was rich in heaven and he became poor for our sakes. He lived a poor and humble life before God and man for 33 years. He had nowhere to lay his head. Isaiah said this about Jesus. He had no form of majesty that we should look upon him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. For 33 years, the one who had been praised by angels for all eternity loved you enough to submit to being despised by all who saw him. He was completely innocent. He was sinless before man and God, and yet we accused him of our own true crime, blaspheming or lying about God. And friends, we do that every time we say or we believe that God does not love us. We again beat and mock the perfect man of love. Friends, we we drove nails through his hands and his feet to secure him to the cruelest form of punishment our sinful hearts could devise. But that wasn't the worst part. Isaiah, the prophet, said this, the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of his all. While Jesus was completely obedient to his Father and his love, We are the ones that strayed from it. And yet God took and placed all of my sin, all of your sin, all the sins of all people throughout time and put it upon him. And Jesus willingly took them from us. He said, Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they do. They don't yet know love. And he he showed us his 
infinite love by surrendering his life for us. He was not killed. He, he gave it up. It says this in Isaiah, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Because the Father loves you because he loves you. He allowed his son to die for you. More than that, in Hebrews, that word will means pleasure. God loved you so much, he was pleased to let his own son die so that you might be saved. Friends, will you still doubt and reject his love? And if you do, would you not expect to receive his wrath? Or do you just reject the idea of wrath because emotionally you want to believe God loves you just the way you are? Friends, his love was meant to change you. We love because he first loved us. Believing and receiving his love gives us a new heart that truly can love. Verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love a God whom he has not seen. Friends, we can be assured of God's love, that we have believed on God's love, by the new love in our heart for others. See, anyone can say they love God, but if you continue to hate your brothers or your sisters, you're just a liar. John is saying it's impossible to receive his love and continue to hate others. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. John says this command comes from him, from his friend Jesus, the one he watched die, put his sins to death on the cross, and then rise from the grave three days later to prove the power of our sin to condemn us was over. See, friends, love one. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Friends, it's not optional for those who are saved by him. His love has to win in you. It's a must. We, we must obey his love. And, and, and before you try to define who your brother or sister is to only people that you like and that, you know, make you feel good. Remember Jesus' words to us, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Even teenagers. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. You and I were God's enemies, and yet he loved us because he loved us. You may say, Pastor, how do we do this? This is, this is really hard. I, I fail often, and friends, so do I. If you feel like you're failing, what you need to do is look upon his love for you. We love because he first loved us. Finding the power to love, beloved, will not be found in mustering up positive feelings for other people. That, that doesn't work. The power to love is found in looking and believing on the Son of God who loved you and died for you. We love because he first loved. Today, turn 
and believe upon his love and know that you are forgiven. Today, turn and believe on his love and know that you have gained eternal life forever in his love. Today, turn and believe upon his love. And friends, you will have the power to love. His word says so. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you. It's true. More than my feelings, more than my thoughts, it's higher. And, and, and Lord, I thank you that you have delivered your word to us today. Father, let us, let us believe it. Let us believe that we are loved by you. You have proved it. You have shown it. Father, take away all fear and all doubt. Father, if there's anybody here today struggling, not knowing that they are loved by you, Father, today may they come and receive your love. Believe it by faith and be forgiven of all of their sins and, and be given the gift of everlasting life. Oh, Lord, send your Holy Spirit and work in people's hearts today. May make them repent, Lord, of, of people that they're hating when you have loved them so much and, and they see the hypocrisy of that. And, and Father, that they feel compelled today to, to, to make that right, to turn from that hatred and turn to love. Father, do a work of the Spirit today in this place. Change our hearts so that we can fulfill our mission in this community. Father, what could happen right here, Lord, could change the world if people will obey your love. Father, let your love flow through us. In Christ's name, I pray.